When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be discussing the television show Euphoria, which is on HBO. If you don't know what Euphoria is, once again, this is going to be such a simplistic description of it because it comes from IMDb, and this could be used to describe a lot of different shows and movies. But the IMDb description is a look at life for a group of high school students as they grapple with issues of drugs, sex, and violence. This show is a lot more than that. If you listen to our sex education episode, which I think is a very good counterpoint to this epi- to this show, if you listen to that, you will know, and my panelists don't know this until now, I have a really hard time with this show. Watching this second season was very, 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 very difficult. I will be honest. This was right up there with Nip Tuck for me as far as watching. It was very painful. It was very nice to have the balance of sex education because I think there are two shows that handle lots of issues for teens today, but in very different ways. So getting that up, getting that out there up front. I know I said that in sex education, but letting my panelists know this is going to be a very interesting conversation, I think. And I'm glad we're having it, even though it was very difficult for me. And there was a moment where I was like, I wish I hadn't put this on the schedule, to be honest. But I'm glad that I did. And this was a listener suggestion, by the way. And I'm glad that I did just because I think it's a good conversation to have. And I'll be very curious to hear my panelists thoughts because I don't know their thoughts really on the show. So I will be very interested to hear those. So I can't wait to get into it. Um, But before I have them tell me what they're into right now in pop culture, just a couple of quick trivia notes for the show. Zendaya, who is in the show and also go over the cast members, sorry, uh, won the Outstanding Lead Actress Emmy in 2020. And she was the youngest actress to win an Emmy Award at 24 years old. Creator Sam Levinson, who is the son of Barry Levinson, if you don't know that, used his own drug addiction from his teen years to infuse Rue's drug addiction storyline. Rue is the character that Zendaya plays. While shooting the pilot, actor Brian Astro Bradley, 22, a former The X Factor contestant and rapper signed to Nas's label, wanted out of the show. Details surrounding his exit are fiercely guarded, but sources say Bradley was uncomfortable shooting scenes that weren't in the original pilot script and suggested his character would experiment with homosexuality in future episodes. 
After a lengthy back and forth with producers, HBO stepped in and replaced Bradley with The Hate You Give's Algie Smith. They reshot his parts in the pilot, including an intense sex scene with 21-year-old actress Sydney Sweeney, who says of the recasting, let's just say, I'm very glad that Algie was replaced. Um, oh, no, sorry, that Algie is playing the character, excuse me. Of the main cast, Zendaya and Maude Apatow are the only actresses in the cast who have never appeared nude in the series. Every first season episode title is named after a rap song aside from episode seven and eight. This was likely unintentional in the case of the first episode, Pilot, but it's coincidentally na the name of a song by 50 Cent. Uh, and I just wanted to throw this trivia in here because if you have listened to this podcast for a long time, you know how much I love the actor Kelvin Harrison Jr. Well, he was cast in one of the roles for season two. However, due to COVID-19, the production got pushed back. And he had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. That makes me very sad. I'd be curious to know who he played. <laughs> uh, and really quickly, I just want to go over some of the cast. So Zendaya, of course, plays Rue. Hunter Schaefer plays Jules. Angus Cloud plays Fez. Jacob Ellerty plays Nate Jacobs. Maude Apatow, who, of course, is the daughter of Judd Apatow, plays Lexi. Alexa Demi plays Maddie. Uh, Barbie Ferreira plays Kat. And Sydney Swinney plays Casey. There's a bunch of other people too, but I just wanted to go over a few of those. So yes, so but before we get into Euphoria and dive really deep into it, I want to know first off what my panelists are into right now in pop culture. So Angela, what are you into right now? Hi. So what am I into right now? I mean, I've been finishing a lot of like Korean dramas. Um, I'm actually getting into watching Hot uh, Heart Stoppers. It's literally super adorable. Like I just absolutely just love how wholesome and just cute the characters are. And it's just, um, honestly, I just love like how they're like, you know, it was like film in UK. And then I was like, you know, in my head, like, oh my God, I was like three minutes from, from that filming area when I was in UK the other day like in the other month I was like oh my god so I'm just like so right now I'm just like you know and I was told that they're gonna um renew for second and third season but I'm probably going to try to read the comics so I don't have to wait any longer <laughs> so but yeah that's what I'm getting into right now Awesome. Yeah, that's been that show's been recommended before on here, and I and someday, someday I will watch it. <laughs> It'll probably be a couple years from now, of course, knowing me and my schedule. But yeah, yeah, I've heard. Are you I've going to just wait? Great things. You're just going to wait until the whole uh, three season, and then you're just going to binge watch it. No, it's just my <laughs> schedule is so insane that it's very rare that mm -hmm. I can watch stuff. Like I try and fit in one thing, but it's just my schedule is so crazy that I can barely uh, watch anything else. <laughs> Makes sense though. <laughs> Other than podcast prep stuff yeah. so yeah so Megan what are you into right now so actually this morning uh, before starting this show I started watching uh, Rap Shit uh, it's Issa Rae's uh, new show on HBO and I'm really liking it so far I think it's a great cast I love seeing the um the diversity of black excellence um not to say that the other show she was in didn't do that i just feel like she has more control and say so in this show to really shape it to how she wanted the other show to be and really just take it to that next level with black women specifically so i really enjoy seeing that 
I do want to mention, though, um, with this show, uh, there are a lot of like intense topics with it, too. Maybe not to the same extreme as Euphoria, but it is something to be mindful of when engaging with it. It's a fun show, but just be mindful if you're easily triggered by things uh, related to like your sexual identity or um, even like uh, slight connotations of like essay or like a rap culture uh, specifically talking about sex and uh, women's body in the more sexual context. If you're not into that, just mindful for a lot of people, because I do see people commenting on the show about that. I understand it is part of the rap culture, but they do talk about combating that and doing a different type of rap or just doing rap where uh, women can feel empowered and not care what other people think. So just something to be mindful of before beginning that show. And uh, I think it's pronounced Zendaya. Um, I know you've been saying Zendaya, but I'm pretty sure it's yeah, Zendaya. Yeah, sorry. Zendaya, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, but otherwise, yeah, uh, definitely check out Rap Shit um, if you want to break from the intensity of a show like Euphoria. <laughs> yeah, and then also if um, go back and listen to our Insecure episode. Uh, Megan was on that one that we did earlier this year in February. Uh, with Carla. I, yes, with <laughs> Carla and my podcast, Brain Twin Jen. I really, really love that episode. So go back and listen to that as well. That was such so. a fun episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so what I am into is there is a show that you can watch on Hulu called The Patient with Steve Carell. And I know I'm going to butcher this name, but... Domin Hall Gleason, and it's all about uh, Steve Carell plays a psychotherapist who recently lost his wife, and he finds himself kidnapped by one of his patients who is a serial killer, and uh, he his patient wants him to basically cure him of his uncontrollable urge to kill people. So it's it's an interesting show. I don't know if I'll you know have the time to finish it. But it's just, it's airing weekly and they're only half an hour episodes, which surprised me because it's very much a drama, but I think it's supposed to also be kind of have some dark comedy in it. But, you know, I, I, I'm always interested in serial killer shows. So yeah, so definitely um, check that out if you're into that stuff, but you know, heed the fact that it is about a serial killer. There hasn't been any, any violence really at all so far. So, and they aired the first two episodes. So once again, that's on Hulu. Okay, so we're going to get into Euphoria, but first I just have a list of trigger warnings for this one. So please, please listen to those. We will be spoiling stuff. So if you are not caught up or if you haven't watched the show and you plan to watch it, uh, pause this, go watch the show, and then come back and listen. So trigger warning for, of course, lots of sex, lots of sexual situations, different sexual situations, lots of nudity, uh, sexual assault, drug use, heavy, heavy, heavy drug use, lots of trauma, physical abuse, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, body dysmorphia, body shaming, self-harm behavior, suicidal ideation, I would say, uh, mental health issues, suic being suicidal in general, lots and lots of violence as well, um, both physical and sexual violence, underage sexual violence as well. Lots of, lots of things like that. I feel like I'm forgetting something. So if someone, if there's anything else that uh, either of my panelists feel we should call out, let did me you, know. Did uh, you mention suicide ideation or like- Yes, um, I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, I would say even like gang violence uh, mentality, things like that, or human trafficking. That would be okay. an important one to mention. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yes, yes. So heed what Megan just said. Well, what I first want to know, Angela, is what your first impressions of the show were and how you think the show did with handling teens and the younger generation overall. My first thoughts of, you know, just starting with this show was just like, holy shit. I think just like, just, it's a lot, especially when it comes to just like, I feel like it's just like more like mind opening because growing up, like I didn't have that kind of sort of like high school experience with that bus. And also because, you know, coming from a very strict family, I wasn't even allowed to go out anyways. So, you know, I was very, I will admit I'm very blind biased to a lot of these things and you know there was time when I just watched them all you know uh when Rue just like her just dealing with like just all the addictions you know like seeing her going through that you know it was like hard for me to like you know shamely felt like I feel like I just have never you know been in that situations and just and part of me just felt like I was like you know like kind of and somewhat like I hope I don't want to feel like an asshole so just I just don't know what you guys your thoughts on it but like I just don't feel like I kind of just felt like you know kind of glad that I didn't go through that all this high school experience but except for just because the only thing high school experience that I have worse was just the discriminations when it comes to just like you know Asians hates and all of that and I just like you know and so part of me just felt like you know my mom was basically protecting me from all of that. The show was just a lot. I think I'm just so triggered of, it just, it reminds me a lot of like the suicides. Okay, I think I'm having a hard time just talking about this show in general. Well, it's a hard show to talk about. It's not it's a very a hard... easy show to watch. It's not a very easy show to talk about, I think. So yeah, no, I, I, I understand. Yeah, and we're gonna dive into, you know, the characters more and into Rue and talk because she is the central main character and talk about her and her role in the show. And, and especially as the narrator in, in just a minute too, but no, I, I understand it's not an easy show to talk about and it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a pleasant show to watch. I wouldn't say if you're trying to be happy, you'd sit down and watch the show. I think it, to me though, I think it really questions a lot of my privilege, like, me being minorities, but you know, after watching this show, it makes me feel like I have, like I didn't realize that I still, even being minorities, I and so I have pilf, like I'm very uh, pilfage in a way of like you know, and then it, you know it makes me more aware of like you know I wanted to be more activist towards and wanting to change you know to, you know when it comes to like these kind of environment if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, like because you haven't experienced this stuff. It just makes me feel really just horrible sometimes. And I'm not trying to compare like, you know, like my being worse. Like there's absolutely a lot more with it. And I'm just like, shit, like I wish that there's more I could do. It's very overstimulated. I'm very overstimulated when it comes to this, with this show that like I have just never felt so full of all the emotions and conflicted feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And Megan. So for context, uh, I grew up a lot like as a teen in the height of the 
Tumblr sleazeback kind of era where there was manic pixie dream girls. There were very toxic masculine boys, hipster, and who was doing like the coolest thing in that. And with that came a show called Skins. And Skins was a very romanticized, dreamy kind of effect of what it means to be a teenager and go party and live in the UK and live a lifestyle as an adult when you were only a teenager. It was something like a lot of us growing up valued. And I know like we all had our favorite characters from it, like uh, Effie. Effie was like everyone's favorite. Everyone wanted to look like her, this very tall, white, blonde, or not blonde, but brunette, blue-eyed beauty. And she had this sort of mystery about her, but like unattainable thing, which frustrated all the nice guys and made all the um, like the crazy boys like Cook or like the violent ones actually become violent as a result of it and even uh, self-harm on themselves. And it often vinylized the women and even showed in the end where like Effie ended up not, you know, being anything important in like sleeping with married men and all this stuff and really just downsized her to just this this girl who was unimportant and then everyone else moved on except her and it it left an impression on a lot of women I feel like growing up and everything it definitely ruined our sort of self-esteem and it encouraged this idea of like being the manic pixie girl and like you know doing these weird things to impress men and like going over the top and just ultimately feeling like we couldn't amount to more which was really devastating and when I first was told about this show, Euphoria, that's what I was told is that it was similar to Skins, but like different in lack of glamorization, lack of romanticization of being a teen and having like suicide ideations and stuff like that. A lot less of that. And it dealt with the real like darkness of being a teenager, especially in a world like now where, you know, adults want to control like teens and how they act, think and do uh, where there's like teacher shortages. So we don't have as many teachers caring about kids in high school and how there are a lot of kids out here who feel like they can't even trust their parents with a lot of these big emotions or like big things happening in their life because they feel like there's a general generational disconnect or that their parents are incapable of understanding what it's like to be at that age. I think that this show is very telling of even the adults and how imperfect they are and how these teens recognize that and they're trying to figure it out. But, you know, then they go around messing around with things like narcotics and stuff. And it does show um, as we see the show progress, Rue changes as a person throughout and you see the degradation of her thought process of how she thinks people perceive her, how she perceives herself, how she... um, even interacts with other people when she's on drugs or even not on drugs, how she feels the need to isolate herself. I think it does a great job showing those dark elements of being on uh, controlled substances, alcohol, a mix of those and having suicide ideation. It's hard to see because no one wants to see it, but I think it needs to be out there. I don't like Sam Levinson as a person. I, I think he's absolute trash but he has worked with some great directors and writers. And that's why I'm okay with watching this show because there are other people involved and not just him. But it is a show that needs to be out there so that adults are aware that a lot of teens are going through this. I grew up around teens like this. I didn't necessarily get to engage with a lot of them because my parents were very overprotective, similar to Angela's. 
but I used to see this and I used to uh, see how it affected others. And it, it was devastating that nobody ever really talked about it. My first impressions were, gosh, I'm old. Uh, that was honestly the first impression. This was the first time I'd ever watched anything and felt that way. I've never felt that way before where, you know, watching something that no matter what the age was that it was covering. And it's not that we didn't have this stuff when I was a teenager. It's not that we didn't have drug use, heavy drug use. And we had a our biggest thing was we had a, an epidemic of actually of kids being hospitalized in um, psychiatric facilities all the time. No matter, I mean, just because parents didn't want to deal with them. That was a real thing. Go back and look at it. I was uh, that, that happened to me, but not because my mom didn't want to deal with me, but because I was against my parents' wishes hospitalized. I had friends that were hospitalized all the time. I mean, like I would say it, nine out of 10 kids I knew were in the hospital at least once. And I'm not exaggerating. Um, of the people that I hung out with. So that was our big epidemic was that. And there were there was a lot of drug use, of course, too, and a lot of sexual promiscuity as well, but not in the way that this show is. You know, what 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 is so interesting about this show, and I think why it's so hard to watch, is there might be a couple of minutes of happiness or a little tiny bit sprinkled in, but this show... Basically, everybody in this show is miserable. Nobody is happy. Nobody, it, it, in my opinion, nothing in this show is happy. It's just misery upon misery and trauma upon trauma. And and it's very hard to watch that. And I'm sure it's true in a lot of for a lot of people. I think for the second season, and I'll just get a little bit into that now, I think this show becomes very voyeuristic and doesn't have a lot of care to it. I think a lot of it is kind of, uh, it's kind of like, for me, like to compare it to torture porn in a way in the horror thing. I'm not saying this is like torture porn, but the fact that it feels to me almost like, and I think this is Sam Levinson, fingerprints, like the show is getting off on some of this trauma. And that's what bothers me about this show. And it could be from the lens that I'm approaching it from. Um, I have heard other people say similar things as well about the show. That's where it's hard for me because it's like it's one of those shows that's really hard to binge to. It was, you know, it's really almost impossible to binge the show without it getting into your psyche a little bit, I think. Yeah, it was just like, wow, I am old. And also, I think this generation, you know, having everything be so public and social media being such a big thing because in my generation that was not a thing we did not have social media we ended up having you know like AOL but it was totally different than this and we didn't have cell phones some people had pagers but we didn't have cell phones we didn't have our whole lives documented for the whole world to tear down or build up and so this really i think shines a light on that of course i think that is the the good part of it is that it does shine a light on that and you know the the drug addiction and the depression and um the suicidal ideation and the mental health aspects of it as well and watching parents that a lot of these parents are really not involved in their kids lives or make their kids lives worse not all of them but a lot of the parents and sort of watching these kids that they're still kids but they are being 
treated and acting and forced to, and society is kind of, you know, the, and by society, I mean like media and the public is expecting these kids to not be kids. And they are still kids. These are still kids. They just are. You're, they're not, I mean, they're not, their brains aren't fully developed. You're still going through a lot of changes and putting, uh, putting the pressure on top of these kids to also be out there in the world socially and not just socially, physically, but socially through the internet, socially, virtually, really, is a pressure that a lot of generations never faced. And I think it's really reflects in here how much damage that can do to your psyche when you're growing up and you're being judged constantly 24-7 and not just face-to-face and how much damage that can do. I think that's another big part of this. And then forcing kids to grow up faster than they should have. I mean, yes, my generation was known as the latchkey generation and we learned to cook when we were like, you know, before we were 10 years old, we learned to cook and care for ourselves kind of thing. And we were out until the streetlights came up um, and very independent. But even though we had that, we didn't have this. Like I said, we didn't have this social media thing. So we didn't have that on top of everything else, making all of that stuff that you're going through as a teenager and all those emotions and all the hormones 10 times worse. So I do think it does try to shed a light on that. I just have a hard time with some of the way it's done with the adults behind the scenes. It doesn't feel like a very, very, it feels so voyeuristic to me that I have a really hard time with it sometimes, especially in um, season two. And I'll talk a little bit about that more towards the end. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, well, let's get into the character of Rue. And I just want to know your overall thoughts on the character and then also uh, and how she serves as the narrator and whether or not you think Rue is a reliable narrator. Like, do you think everything that Rue says is actually accurate? And do you think every like my question really is, do you think what we are seeing when she's narrating and saying, you know, whatever certain characters have gone through, if that's always completely accurate or if some of that might be some what in her head and then just her overall and then also the performance, Angela. It's really hard to tell, you know, if her narrating is accurate on her point of view of seeing, you know, all of, you know, because, you know, we get to see, you know, the characters and somewhat like act on what she's describing. When it comes to just like, you know, talking about like, you know, with in real life kind of situations, definitely, you know, these pain and these stories are actually real, like, you know, teenagers go through all that stuff. My view on Rue was that just there was just time when I just get frustrated with her, especially on like the second season. It's like, of like, it's like, God damn, it's like, you know, like, you know, you're getting your life back together, but then you're going down again. It's like, there was just time I get so frustrated with her. And that's when I 
you know, step back and say to myself, like, oh, like Angela, you're you're having that, you know, privilege thoughts again. You're you're you know, you you know, you need to know that it's hard. Someone who, you know, dealt with depressions, like you know, like it's hard to get rid of that thoughts of the get rid of that suicide thoughts. And, you know, I, you know, it's like the same as, you know, someone who's going through addictions, like, it's just hard to get out of that mindset or, you know, because you just felt hopeless and you just think it's like, you know, nothing matters anymore. After watching, you know, I, you know, there's, I, I came to realize that majority of time when I'm just angry, it's because, you know, with certain characters, it's because I'm self-reflecting <laughs> of myself because I go through that struggles as well and so and it's basically like a smack through the face kind of realizations like just all of that so and it did take me a time you know for a few weeks after because i did been watch this show for two days <laughs> and i don't know why i did that to myself because i was basically just, you know just like triggering myself like just completely all the time you know just it's just like i said it, like this was a hard show and i just i guess i just relate to the you know like just especially with Rue, just like struggling, trying to like survive and trying to like be, you know, be a sister, be a good daughter. I don't know. I I guess like like I said, it, it just hit like it just hit like a lot of hard relations from relation realizations for me. So that's just my thoughts on the characters. Honestly, I just love of Cynthia in general. Honestly, I just love her as an actress. Like like, but the fact that she actually like going you know, go through with just all the stuff like it was just absolutely amazing i it was an a plus like performance on her end just to you know be in that character to, to and then just like i love when when they do act and you just forgot they're actually i i just forgot that she's Sendaya. she's just completely rude and that's what makes a really good performance like you just forgot that this certain character you know actress is like it's just real so Mm-hmm. I absolutely her, love her performance. Megan, your your thoughts on Rue as a character and then the performance? Rue, I feel like in the beginning of this, uh, the, like the first season of that, um, she was an okay narrator. Like she was going through her thoughts and what she observed about people. And the first thing I immediately got when, like, for example, when she needed to go get the P test, um, she went to Lexi and Lexi helped her out. You could see there was some sort of bond they had in the past. And when they start going through that, especially like in the second season and stuff, and now rewatching it again, you can see that why they were best friends. It's because they were essentially like parallel or same characters. Both were observers and observing life happening around them and not feeling like they were in control or that they could interact or do anything about it. And I feel like once Rue, uh, you know, discovered the, uh, like Vicodin and all those pills that her dad was taking and started taking them. She liked the idea of being numb and not observing because she felt so much pain constantly. And as a result of that, her narration abilities dissipated and completely disappeared in like the second season. And that's why it became such an unhinged season as well, because we didn't have Rue as our rock. Cause that was, a, I mean, that's our main character. I mean, that's supposedly our quote unquote rock. And then she was not there at all. It seemed like she was constantly strung out. Something was constantly going on. And, you know, I knew it was going to happen after and the salt earth uh, and salt the earth behind you after that huge traumatic scene between her and Jules and Jules leaving her, essentially abandoning her the way she felt her dad did, her mom did, 
all these people in her life that she cares about, her school, um, even uh, uh, the, her uh, mentor at the sobriety uh, meetings that she's been going with, she feels like he abandoned her, even though he was never truly there for her because she never opened the door for him to be there for her, but he was there. She felt like he abandoned her too. And then when she goes into that musical hallucination, like I knew we, we lost her as the observer. She was no longer going to return as that person. She was going to come out of this as someone who fully jumped into this idea of being a full-fledged uh, controlled substance abuse addict, all of it, just every last bit of it. She was just throwing herself into that because she didn't want to deal with those emotions anymore. And I feel like as a result of that, the second season lost its ability to hold its audience because we lost our main character. We, we lost her and we had to watch her fully go through this transformation of being an addict and depending on things she never thought she'd do, passing those boundaries she thought she never would. And it was so hard to watch her do that because especially when we know the actress playing it, like Zendaya... A plus, amazing, stellar actress, you know, and the image of Black excellence with uh, Beyonce and uh, so many other Black women. And to see this, her play a character that is just so unlike her, it's unbelievable. Like, it, it is more than any award can reward her for it because it is really, like, out of her element because she has never gone through those experiences personally. And Zendaya's enactment of this character is something I've never heard of. You can tell she's talked to the right people and she has, she's done a lot of research. She's gone to, you know, talk to active, like, you know, drug addicts. She's gone to people who've recovered. She, she shows it as a multifaceted character and more than just someone that is like Effie, for example, where it's like the fairy princess, like, you know, like getting high on drugs and it's such a party and everyone should join me kind of mentality it's so unlike that. And I'm very appreciative with Zendaya for taking the time to show that this is an actual disease. It is a, a national crisis here, especially in the U.S. And it's why we need this kind of show. If anything, I feel like Sam Levinson really let us down with the character Rue, um, especially in the second season of not showcasing her more and not focusing so much on Nate Jacobs. Um, I feel like the focus on Nate Jacobs actually kind of hindered the experience of Rue and really kind of seeing it full flood. Like it, it was bled out to a certain degree, but his focus and almost adoration for Nate Jacobs disturbed me so much that I couldn't focus as much on Rue in the second season. And I feel like that was a more powerful story than Nate Jacobs could ever be. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that really, because, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, when we get to the other characters, I'll I'll give my thoughts on 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 that that quote unquote lovely rolling my eyes sarcastic there because it, he's so atrocious and awful. So Rue overall as as a character is very painful and heartbreaking to watch, and this is a character, especially in season two, I think even more so, who really doesn't want to be alive every day that she has to live and every day that Rue has to wake up and go through the motions of living is a letdown in, in her mind. This, it, 
just the suicidal ideation this character has is overwhelming. And there will be so many moments when Rue is sitting there and there's like a little tiny like smile or Rue appears to be kind of like, oh, whatever, shrug, nonchalant. But underneath it all, and I think this is a lot to do with the performance, uh, not just the script or the directing, but a lot to do with the performance. Underneath that is this incredible incredibly raw nerve this raw nerve basically and just this pain that is just ingrained in every single molecule of her being she is constantly in pain it's like watching someone who is wounded and is never ever healed and it's just an open open wound and you know drug addiction and any kind of addiction like that you know, a, a lot of people who are addicts, it is a disease and it does, um, you know, I think sometimes people don't realize that or forget that, that it is a disease. It's an illness. It is an illness that needs to be treated. Um, otherwise it will kill you. And you see that a lot in season two that I think Rue neglected that and neglected herself and also went through a traumatic experience with people that she loved and cared for and and rue doesn't trust very easily and once rue did and that was broken i think that shattered a little bit more of her of the psyche and any part of rue that wanted to live and you know she has a line in um you know that special episode that did run in between seasons where it's just rue and, and her sponsor and you know rue says she doesn't think she's going to live that long you know, this is someone who believes is going to die basically probably before she's 20 and heading down the path Rue is that that is factual. And that's what Rue wants. I mean, Rue wants to Rue wants to be with the dad that left. Rue wants to not be in this world. And I think even though I have many issues with season two, I think one of the most beautiful, beautiful parts of season two is when Lexi puts on the play that's basically a mirror of all of the students and Lexi has been ignored at, throughout and has always felt kind of like a bystander and feels I think very separate from her relationship with Rue and her friendship with Rue and Rue watching Lexi's portrayal of who Rue is and Rue actually seeing how somebody else views her, somebody else that actually loves Rue and how much that touched Rue and how it was the first time she actually saw good in herself. And, you know, the whole scene where she's talking with Lexi afterwards and talking about that and how beautiful she thought the play was. And there are a lot of people that are pissed at Lexi and, you know, especially her sister, but it meant something to Rue. And I think, that was the beautiful part about that play. And I think that was a better episode throughout the, the second season. And that moment was, I think, one of the highlights because it was one of those few moments of hope and hope for Rue. And Rue doesn't have hope. And so to be given that and to be able to see that people do care and do love her and do want her to survive I think was invaluable and I loved that it came from Lexi and that you could see this friendship 
start to maybe come back together to the way it was before Rue's father died and before Rue really, really went down um, the dark hole of drug addiction. So, yeah. And then the performance, the performance is breathtaking and absolutely just elevates this material, elevates the show. I think all the performances are good, but this performance in particular, there are so many moments where you're just shattered and then brought back. And then you're just like living in this character's skin. You do not, you do not see any acting, you know, like Angela was saying, you don't see that you see the character, you just see Rue. There's not a single moment of, there's not a single false note, nothing. It's just a performance of the ages, really, uh, by an amazing actress. But just the performance is just incredible and just breathtaking and deserves every, every award, you know, that Zendaya has gotten it. She deserves every award and more. And, you know, I, I can't wait to see her career because I think she will be around forever and be one of those, like, you know, uh, <laughs> actresses late if she wants to keep acting, of course leaning into her career who just has award after award and turns in breathtaking performance after breathtaking performance. Cause no matter what she's in, she does that. So, you know, I didn't watch any of her like early, early stuff before this, but yeah, she's just she's incredible. Okay. So I want to know um, the other characters. There are a lot of characters in this show. And so Angela, what are your overall thoughts on the other characters? And then do you have a favorite character? other than Rue? I think majority of the time when I'm just like looking at other characters, it's, it was, well, let's just um, start with one I fucking hate the most. Sorry. I don't like Nate. I absolutely despise that man. At first, you know, when I first saw him, my first thought was like, oh, he's cute. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then saw the dad. Oh, the dad's hot. And then once you get to like know them, I was like, oh my fucking god, I felt disgusted that I absolutely like, you know, thought this character was like good looking and then they're just ugly now. I was just a bit triggered just because like the controlling, the abusive, you know, like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I dealt with, you know, physical abuse and it just was not, it's just not pretty. I just, it just reminds me how, how much I just hate these characters so much because like of how they just like to play with other people's feelings, their like hearts and like think it's going to be okay. But, you know, it's fine for them because, you know, they're, you know, they're, they have so much privilege monies and they're white and just like whatever, all these other stuff, they just like to just, you know, think it's just okay to just play with other people's life. Um, so yeah, sorry. That's my thoughts on them. Just, you know, fuck Nate and fuck, fuck cow. But overall, I know Lexi and Rue are like good, you know, characters, but my I feel like the relationship with Jules and Rules is like I just it's just something else. Like just like it just I feel like she relates to Rules. Well, sorry, I can't even pronounce why I can't pronounce. I think they are just like are so so adorable together. Like they understand each other's pain and like you know for her though, like she hides it through not for drugs, but through like you know the sex and you know i don't know if if i if that's that's how i see it unless you guys see it differently um i mean and i'm only saying that just because i do have experience with sex addict 
myself in the past. And so, you know, that's, you know, I feel, I felt like I was triggered and to see her going through that and just like, you know, being like, you know, she, she just basically felt the same way as we did. Like she felt like, you know, she, everybody leaves her, like her parents, like put her in like a, was it a, a psychiatric? Yeah. Facility. Psychiatric. Yes. And it's just heartbreaking for someone for that young and just like going through that and then just like, you know, numb her pain through, you know, just finding other, you know, people, you know, that will try to give her that love, even though she was looking at the wrong, you know, wrong way. Kind of someone with the internet sensation. Yes. Okay. I, I absolutely love that characters because the fact that, you know, she doesn't let her, like, you know, let her, you know, her body, like, you know, be what she is. Like she just, she took that as, a power instrument and then did something with it and and her just love for just like all the um excitements and like in you know and like putting herself in like a position that's not really safe like it's just i just like oh it's just all the other characters i just absolutely just love how well the performance is and just going through all that struggles i would say though my favorite character of all with everything that's been going on i absolutely love lexi and I think maybe the only reason why is because I just want to be like her and just how dorky and adorable she is and just always going to be there for, you know, anyone. She is my absolutely favorite characters. So especially her Kilo Bob Ross costume. <laughs> that was adorable. Like just, I don't know, just like, just, just her being herself and just like, I just absolutely love her. So, but yeah, that's my thoughts. And Megan, your overall thoughts and your favorite character other than Rue? So I thought the diversity of the cast was pretty cool of just like all the different types of characters in it. I will say it was an absolute disservice that they got rid of McKay after the first season because I loved him as a character. I feel like they could have done more with him and they completely shot him short. And Algie Smith deserves better because he is a fine looking man. And that is all I will leave it at. Um <laughs> Not to say I don't like Fesco. I mean, we love uh, Angus Cloud. Um, I mean, he kind of looks like, um, oh, God, who was the rap artist that passed away that was with Ariana Grande? Is it Mac Miller? I think. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anyways, he's an absolute great actor, too. I actually loved during season two when the episodes would come out. He didn't actually know what was going on. So he was like messaging along or tweeting while the episodes were going and airing. And it was the most precious thing. So uh Angus Cloud has a special place in my heart for being as interactive as the fans and uh, rooting for Lexi and Fesco forever. Um, <laughs> not possible, really, but I love the enthusiasm and I wish it were. Um, <laughs> but I think my favorite character is probably uh, Maddie, uh, mostly because uh, she's very authentically herself. I don't ever feel like there's a point where she sits there lying about who she is. I know she lied like initially in the beginning about, you know, having sex with that guy. But honestly, with how dangerous of a man as Nate Jacobs is, I'd probably lie too. So I can understand why that was happening. And she probably had already even prior to that point experienced some sort of domestic violence with him. I, I also like Hunter Schaefer. Um, she does a good job playing uh, Jules. Uh, Jules is just a very unique character as a whole. Um, just her interactions uh, with Zendaya and then Zendaya having like the resentment towards Nate Jacobs because 
uh, he was attracted to uh, Jules there for a period and wanted to like say that she was too good for him. But I feel like that's his way of triangulating and trying to get women. Because, I mean, he did it with Cassie and McKay. Uh, he told McKay, oh, yeah, no, she's an absolute, like, slut. Like, you shouldn't be with her. And then, lo and behold, later on, Caesar 2, suddenly they're together. What a convenient thought. I also really love Kat because Kat is just one of those characters where, you know, like, she, she's normal, but she also is, like, trying to figure out, like, her sexuality and where she fits in all that. Also loves fictional characters as much as I do. And I adore that because I was like, there were moments, especially when she was with um, Ethan, where she's like, it's just not giving me what like these fictional guys that imagine giving me. And the fantasy she had where like he basically, I think pegs, uh, the fictional character pegs Ethan. Like that was like a whole thing for her. And I was like, good for you. You know what? Good for you for engaging your sexuality and understanding that maybe you're not that attracted to Ethan. Granted, you could have handled that breakup a little bit better, but I love uh, Maddie and Kat so much. They are probably my two favorites just because they're the most realistic characters in the show for me, Um, especially Maddie. I grew up with a lot of people like Maddie. Um, I have an attitude like Maddie, so I understand how it feels to constantly be seen as a villain or as a bad person by people, but really being able to open up with people I trust, um, like how she does with Lexi and takes care of Lexi when Cassie ignores Lexi. Maddie was there for Lexi, and I love seeing that kind of familial sort of connection because, I mean, you could see how much Maddie loved both Cassie and Lexi, especially in the second season, and that heartbreak that they all had to go through because of what Cassie did, it it was so unfortunate, Um, and you know, it's the fact that Maddie even believed Rue. The fact that Cassie was out here saying that Rue doesn't know anything because she's a dra- drug addict and she still believed Rue over Cassie speaks wonders about her character. Absolute wonders. Yeah, I'll I'll just focus on the bad first and then move on. <laughs> Good. Nate and Cal are two horrendous characters that I'm really worried they're going to try and redeem as the show goes on. And the reason I say that is that it tends to be something that a lot of shows like to do with the white men that are villains is they like to then eventually redeem them. And yes, I know Cal had, you know, they showed the whole backstory in season two and he was madly in love with his best friend. He never felt like he could be open about his sexuality. I get that. But that's not an excuse for being horrendous, being abusive, being sexually abusive, being all being a horrible human being, treating your family like garbage. I'm not saying his family's amazing, but treating your family like garbage, filming people without their consent. I you know, it doesn't excuse that. So I really, really, really hope and pray they do not try and redeem either Cal or Nate. And maybe lose some focus and don't, I mean, don't focus on them so much. The performances are great. And, and Angela don't feel guilty about finding them attractive in the beginning because these are two very attractive actors. So (laughs) don't feel guilty about that. I mean, it's, they're very attractive physically. Uh, The characters are not attractive. So then once you get to know the characters, of course, that attraction goes far away. I mean, I didn't have that, but it goes far away. I didn't have that initial attraction. 
Uh, they are just horrible, awful human beings who get off on other people's pain. And they're so wrapped up in the fact that they've been hurt in some way. And so they want to lash out and hurt everybody else. That's how they deal with their pain. Uh, you know, I think that's a lot of what this show shows is how different people deal with their own traumas. And the way that Cal and Nate deal with their traumas is to traumatize other people. And they get off on it. And I would say Nate is a bit of a narcissist as well. So, yeah, they're just horrible, awful <laughs> human beings. And I don't want to watch any more of them. Or at least if we are, it, just a tad little tiny bit of them. I like a lot of the other characters. And then at times I'm kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. There seems to be a lot of characters. And sometimes I think a show when they have tons of characters, it can either be okay because they know how to give every character a good storyline. And then sometimes I think this show can get overwhelmed with it. And I think in season two, this show got a little overwhelmed with all the characters and trying to give them all good storylines and kind of push some characters to the background and didn't show them as much as they did in previous seasons. But I do, I do really like Lexi a lot. I probably have all these characters. It's hard for me to relate to any of them pretty much except for some of the mental health stuff, but I probably relate to Lexi the most uh, as far as like, you know, how she feels amongst all these other people um, and kind of feels like she's the caregiver and the one that everybody turns to for help, but is kind of ignored and pushed aside. So I can relate to that a lot. Um, so I do like that character. I do think the performance is good. And I, I, I like Maddie. I, um, I think Alexa is a really great, great actress as well. And I love Hunter Schaefer's performance. I don't, think she was used very well in season two i think she kind of got forgotten about a little bit but she's great and then just to point out that it's very important that this character is portrayed by a trans actor as well and hunter schaefer is trans and that is essential if you are going to have a trans man or trans woman if you're gonna have a trans character in your shows it is essential that you have a trans actor play that character and not cisgender. It's, it's just, it's essential. And so remember that Hollywood. Hollywood is getting better about that, but it's really essential that that character is. And I think Hunter does a really great job though with this character and with a lot of conflicting emotions. And especially in season two with her relationship with Rue, where, you know, she really, really, really hurt Rue, like tremendously hurt Rue. And she really does love Rue though. And then in the end with Rue feeling betrayed by, by Jules and by Jules turning, uh, you know, telling Rue's family and about that Rue was still using and all of that stuff and feeling just so, and Rue feeling that betrayed by her and saying, you know, I hate you and I'm never going to, you know, that, that kind of stuff, which is very much in that mentality of, you know, going through addiction and going through treatment and all that. And watching Jules deal with that and how devastating I think that was for her was was really good. And I thought that performance was good. I just wish I just wish they'd give her more to do. It feels like she doesn't have enough to do in this. She's more like the, I don't know, like the in the second season, she felt more like kind of pushed aside. Same with Kat, I would say too. Uh, more so in the second season. And 
if you don't know, Cat will not be back. That that character is not coming back in season three. So I'm sorry for people that love that character. I don't know if Megan and Angela knew that, but she's not coming back in season three. So um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know if that's part of it. I know the actress herself, uh, she's not necessarily a great person either. Just go look at some of her past stuff. Um, and I don't know if that's why, or I don't know the whole, whole story, but she won't be back next season. But yeah, and then I would say probably my favorite is probably Fez. I, you know, it, it is kind of a trope, the, the drug dealer with a heart of gold, but, <laughs> but he does have a heart of gold. And I, I ship him and Lexi. It's never going to happen, but I ship those two. And I feel so so sad for him and the way his life was and then the way it's leading up and losing ashtray and then you know all of that stuff in the final episode oh man i i just feel really really bad for his character and I'm sad to see the direction it'll be going in. I will say, even though I'm sad to see it, it makes sense. <laughs> it fits, but I'm sad. And I wish I wish he could have gone and seen Lexi's play and given Lexi the flowers, the roses. And I wish he could have had some normalcy with Lexi. But sadly, that just isn't reality. But I wish it could have been. So, yeah. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Okay, and I want to know, so Angela, overall, do you prefer season one or season two? I, well, it just depends though, because I feel like I prefer season one. Just because season two just talks way too much about Nate and Cal. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I'm glad I get to see their side of the story. Woo. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like, well, they, they all have just different elements. And, you know, just having started with season one, you know, which is like blows up in your face. This is what's going on. So I feel all this pain. Ah! And then like, you know, once you had season two you know you're, you're like okay you know like this 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 is like round two is gonna happen there's just some cute little elements i like in season two where the play the way how it sum up everything is like it was just like it's, the fact that you know it makes sense that I, you know i can relate to lexi just because like you know just someone who just like you know always care for other people and like and then you know summing everything like she actually do here other people and just like always be there for them and just seeing Rue, you know 
just finally there's like a redemption like you know that you know that she's you know finally asking her family for help like you know just finally trying to get better and also just being like a you know older sister you know when she sees her is her younger sister named grace or is that or is it no is it g no or are you talking about gia gia sorry yes yeah i was like she's like grace g okay yes so you know just having you know i feel like part of it her just you know trying to like get better was because she saw her younger sister almost going through that you know a phrase and she's like oh no you know like i'm not going to let that happen i'm just i just like that she's you know beginning to realize that her actions is like you know really affecting others her trying to get better for that it's like it's just like very warming to see because it's just and just you know finally asking for help and it's just hard to say though that like each like I just prefer to just not to go through another season of with Nate and Cal, but I'm pretty sure, like Aaron said, they're probably going to do something like that. And I, I, I just don't. It's just too hard for me to even like care for that characters. I just, it, I, it's, I, I, it just depends. I just like both of the different elements that's going to it. You know. And Megan, do you prefer season one or season two? I prefer season one because it was shot and thought and written in a way that focused on Black women from the perspective of Black women, especially like Gia, Rue, and her mom, and kind of how life works in their home and just how they interact with the world. So even uh, Maddie, because she's also a person of color and like kind of her experiences and stuff, McKay and how he deals with going into college, all that. Uh, it was very thoughtfully thought out because these are things definitely people in minority communities experience. And I thought it was a great season. Uh, season two, though, uh, Sam Levinson's white supremacy was showing. It's not just voyeurism. It's the entire white supremacy cake of a conservative white woman, quote unquote, a conservative, uh, really just blonde woman uh, siding with uh, oppressor Nate Jacobs or Cal and seeing how that all plays out and negatively affects women of color specifically and ruins their lives or even uh, transgender members like Jules, like having to deal with Nate, even the aftermath of it, of trying to get them, get him out of their lives. She really tried and it, it was unacceptable. Um, I don't like that Sam Levinson made white supremacy such a focus in that second season. And I really wish he wouldn't have because there were some powerful moments in the second season, especially when like Rue was coming down from her highs and everything and really like starting to become herself again. Or even at the point where Lexi has this moment to showcase her play and what she has been working on this entire season. Like I feel like so much of that has been overshadowed by Sam Levinson playing with the idea of white supremacy and, oh, we got to make it like a fun little toy or some nonsense. And I, it was repulsive. Like we have so much about that already and about how these people thrive. I don't want to see it again. I, it it was disrespectful. The second season was for me, um, the first season and the specials specifically, I feel like those are what help me kind of get through this season and hope the third season's going to be good, but we will have to see. Yeah. I, I won't add much more except for to say that I agree. The first season is 10 
billion thousand times better. I actually really don't like the second season except for uh, the scenes around the play. And that's pretty much it. And I like Fez and, and Lexi's dynamic, but I'm not a fan of the second season. So yeah, so definitely the first season. And yeah, the, those specials, I agree, are, are good. And and a shout out to Coleman Domingo, too, who plays Rue's sponsor. Uh, just a shout out to that performance because Coleman Domingo is one of the best actors working today. So just a quick shout out to that. And then I just want to know, do you think this show goes too far, Angela? I mean, like what Megan said earlier, it needs to be shown. The thing about... What, like the difference about that show and then like the uh, other shows like you know 13 reason why you know like they don't <laughs> sorry i hate that show I so much hate that show too. we're gonna it's cover so... it sometime because it's such an irresponsible piece of garbage yeah it is and like you know the fact that and like you know you know like what megan said with you know with skin like you know like just different between that and skin you know this is like a true raw feelings like it's, it doesn't glamorize it romanticize it at all it's just like this is how it is i'm for me though i'm just so excited for this kind of show to you know pop up because we need adults to see this kind of show like how people are feeling it's like i i think it hits the right kind of amount of like um of showing showing the right amount and honestly though i'm just really excited for just actors like Zendaya to you know just new you know actors that are going through things because you guys might disagree with me on this I felt like you know like I feel like it's it's changing when it comes to like the whole acting things like you know nobody you know like back then like nobody goes out and try to figure out you know how certain things should do and like Sandera, you know, what Megan was telling her, you know, saying like, you know, she goes out, she's she's seeking, you know, how a drug addict would be all this resource. Like, cause majority of the time, like none of the movies show, they don't do their research sometimes anymore. And like, you know, we having these new sets of errors as like, I'm going to, you know, show exactly how it should be. People like, you know, boomers, people just, they don't want to change. They don't want to seek out that suffering and anything. And so, I'm just excited that this kind of show, it's like, it's, it's, it's opening for new, um, for new, um, I'm like losing my words. New, new things to show, new things yes. to cover, new avenues. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. Yeah. And I will say there have been a lot of movies and shows that have dealt with drug addiction where the actors have done tons of research, sometimes to a degree that's really dangerous. So I will say that it's not, she's, she's not the first person. To oh, do no, 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 that's why I met though. But yeah, no, I'm just saying like, just, we just need, um, for example, just like in casting a cis straight person, you know, like to play, you know, just oh, like, okay. I see what you're all, saying. all these change, like, you know, it just needs to be changed. Like, and, you know, and you just more like, are like, if that makes any sense, but yeah. More representation, yes, basically is what you're saying. So it's not yeah. just all white and not mm -hmm. all cisgender. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and Megan, I have a lot of unfavorable opinions about Sam Levinson, and um, especially in the second season, the way he ruined the Cassie character. 
And not that she was a perfect actress, but she she comes from a background where she doesn't have like a PR agent and all that. And she doesn't get paid enough to have these sort of courtesies that like Zendaya could have. And as a result, I feel like this season, he really pushed it to the limit with her. Of, well, the second season um, of, you know, showcasing her body and making her like this sexual goddess kind of symbol. But also, like, the childish aspect that, like, a lot of these American men, like, fetishize or even, like, pedophilia, that was too far for me. That's where I was, like, you know, like, I don't even know if I want to continue with this show because we already get enough of that from mainstream media. We don't need to continue exploiting that, especially with a young actress like Sydney Sweeney. I mean, she's not perfect. I mean, we heard of all the controversy that came out with her, but... To be exploiting an actress like this, it's highly inappropriate. Um, and the way that they were trying to force Zendaya to be more naked on the show and her uh, agent had to really fight and say, no, like this is not appropriate. Like she is still like a young woman. She doesn't need to do. She does not. The world does not. It's not entitled to her body. And I feel like Sam Levinson really just took advantage of a lot of these girls in the show of like exploiting their young bodies and even like Kat and like trying to put her back in this box of dealing with fat phobia again. And it's like in the first season, I thought we moved past that and her character was moving more on to her sexuality, maybe even exploring different sexual identities as well as um, just like trying different things. Like she wanted to pursue fashion and other sort of interests she had. And then he completely backpedaled on her character in this second season. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? I was very frustrated also with Elliot's character in this. He was just there to basically sexualize Zendaya and Jules. And, you know, like, I get, like, these kids are going to be experimenting with their sexuality and everything. And there are guys that are going to go in and use the situation. But Sam wrote it in a way that made Dominic seem as the sole perpetrator and, like, as if he was, like, vindictively trying to, like, have this fantasy fulfilled with, like, these two attractive people to fulfill his need to be, like, super woke or something. And that bothered me a lot. The, there's things that Sam does that it's almost so extreme that I'm like, where are we going with this? What is the actual point of doing all of this? Is this something that is actually showing the story? Or are you doing this because it's getting you off? Because it really felt in the second season, it was just getting him off. And I was really disgusted by that. And most of the season, I think all the episodes are just directed and written by him as well. So yep. nobody held him accountable. Nobody stopped him. And I think it was pushed too far this season. And I hope they take some time or there's people to hold him accountable now. But it's not likely going to happen. And even like the character Faye, um, the way he tries to use Faye to make Rue want to be more attractive or, or not attractive, but like more of like the, the cool, like drug girl or whatever, blah, blah. Even though it was scary, it was a very scary scene. He was trying to make it attractive by how she was dressed and how she acted. And I don't know. I just, I wish people would hold, I wish there was a council of people that would actually hold these actors like, and like directors accountable because I don't like seeing that. That 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 went too far for me in the capacity of like, you know, like these are young actors. These are very relatively young actors, not very far in their careers. It's inappropriate to exploit them like this.
Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. This is why I do not like the second season. And I will probably, depending on, I mean, maybe if we cover it, I will. But I will not be watching the third season probably because I think this is like, as I, I compared it to torture porn. The reason I compared it to torture porn is torture porn gets off on violence in a way that like other horror genres don't, in my opinion. And this is getting off on these young women and the characters are young girls in these very, very highly charged sexual situations and getting off on watching them in these sexual situations where, in my opinion, none of these none of these characters appear to be enjoying what is happening to them, the, the females. I'm talking about the women. And that is very disturbing to me. And it's very much like it gets to the point where you can't care anymore about whatever kind of messaging this show is trying to say or whatever kind of thing it's trying to bring to light. You go numb to it. At least I did. It's kind of like, okay, I don't even care because the show doesn't seem to care. Sam Levinson doesn't seem to care. It's just more about pushing and pushing boundaries and being like, ooh, we're going to shock you with this. Or let's see how many times we can show an actress nude and how many times we can put them in a certain situation and how many times maybe certain members of the audience can get off on watching this, including the people directing it and writing it. And it's another case of you need a lot more people behind the scenes to help things like this not go that way. You know, when we talked about sex education in our last episode, sex education deals with sex very explicitly with teenagers, but it never feels like this. And I think a big difference there is it's respecting they had an intimacy consultant on on that show. I don't know if they do or not on Euphoria. I know HBO is kind of requiring that, so I'm assuming they do. But another part of that is that sex education was created and written by a woman, and I do think that makes a big, huge difference. And it never feels like it is voyeuristic, whereas this show, I feel like it really, really is. And I understand sex education is a lot lighter, deals, you know, it's not as heavy, but I think it's good to compare the two as far as because there's so much sex in both of them. But the way it's handled in this show feels very, very traumatizing. Whereas in sex education, it doesn't feel that way. And that's what really bothers me primarily in the second season about this show. And so, yeah, yeah. Well, I know Angela has to get going. So Angela, if you want to just tell everybody where they can find you, if you want to be found. Yes, you guys can find me on my Instagram at T-E-O.K-H-O-N-G. Well, thank you, Angela. Thank you. Hey. So, Megan, before we get into the final segment that I know I'm I'm the only one playing, but I just wanted to know <laughs> if there were any, like, big wishes you had for season three. My big wish for season three is that somehow... Rue escapes Lori because Lori is a very terrifying character. I am nervous about that. Lori um, is the actress of Paula, or no, Martha Kelly. I never thought I'd see Martha Kelly play such a, like, sinister, like, kind of, like, overlord kind of person before. And she's so good at it. Like, I was scared. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, Rue! Um, 
So I'm hoping Rue somehow escapes that. Um, I don't know how. I don't know if there is going to be a possibility for that because this is only going to be four seasons total. It's just unfortunate. Like this show, it, it makes me want to cry. Um, but I think that's my big thing is to see Rue safe. I know that's like a very out there kind of wish and <laughs> unlikely, unfortunately, but that's my wish for her is for her to be safe. Yeah, I, I second that. And I would also like to see more people behind the scenes come in and direct it and write it and Sam Levinson to not have as many episodes written and directed by him. I mean, yeah. like I said, I probably won't even watch it depending, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I worry for Rue. And I thought that that was such an interesting character though, for a villain, because she's so one note and she doesn't yeah. get angry, She, but she's, she's terrifying. So, like soft spoken even. And then she has her birds and she's like in this most unsuspecting <laughs> way but it's the fact that she has birds to make sure, like, her people don't leave her and stuff. It's just, it's very intense. And, I, oh, yeah. my God. I can only, like, I can only imagine the amount of stress her mother's about to feel. Like, her mother's the most relatable character at this point oh. of, like, not understanding the other shoe that's about to drop on both of them, on all of the family. Yeah. Um, what concerns me is because it was rumored initially that Gia may end up dying. So... Oh my gosh. Yeah, because uh the I think what may end up happening is Martha Kelly's one of her henchmen will confuse Gia for Rue. Oh and my I gosh. hope they don't. I hope they don't, but there was a time where they had like a time limit on uh Storm Reed's acting with this show. They um. had like an end date that was in the future. However, they took that out now because people noticed. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I just will have to see. But I agree. I hope Sam Levinson is put into a corner. He, he's been naughty. Um, he kind of ruined the show for me. And I hate that because I really like the first season of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, can, can it be instead that she somehow, you know, mistakenly, I don't know how it will happen, but somehow kills Nate and Cal. I mean, See, can that happen? Listen, that's all I want. Those are my fantasies. However, if you're seeking something that serves retributions, watch Alice with Kiki Palmer. That is a movie with retributions, okay? Um, just like how I felt when Maddie needed to be uh, Cassie's butt. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to see it. I don't know why. And I, I think it was how Sam Levinson set up this show. So I blame him for the girl-on-girl -girl violence. But again, if you want to see something productive for retributions, watch the Kiki Palmer Alice show, everyone. That that solved the the anger within me when I watched this show. And even when I rewatched, I went and watched that movie and it, it, it helped me. It helped me process these feelings and the anger and the wholehearted resentment I feel about uh, how these women are treated in this show. Only because mm -hmm. Kiki pa uh, Palmer is such an empowered woman, especially in that movie. So that's why I always recommend that to everyone. The men in this show are trash. <laughs> yes, I, I agree completely. Okay, well, I um, I actually really like the way I connected Finn to this show because it means, <laughs> it means I get to use someone that I didn't even know until today when I did the trivia was possibly going to be on this show. And there would be two, a couple of different ways to do it because... This actor has starred with a couple of other people, not Finn, but somebody else who I okay. used. But I did use Zendaya, who was in Malcolm and Marie, which was a movie that was also done by Sam Levinson. Yeah. Um, and co-starred John David Washington, who is Denzel Washington's son, if you didn't know that. 
um, who was in this movie called Monster with Calvin Harrison Jr., who was in the movie The High Note with Zoe Chow, who was in Long Weekend with Finn. So that's how Look I connected. That. that was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, I liked doing that one. I was really happy because I got to use Kelvin Harrison Jr. because I do love Kelvin Harrison Jr. I wonder if he was supposed to play uh, Dominic Fike. I'm very curious because, uh, or I mean, uh, Elliot. That's I mean, probably who. Because Dominic Fike was added in last minute, and he's like a, a underground kind of rapper, but he was added very last minute. So I'm very curious if that was the role. Hmm. I wonder. I'll have to look and see if I can find that out because that's probably true. That would be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my guess, unless they wrote out the character that he was supposed to play. Who knows, Anything's but... possible, with Sam, at this point. I just. Uh... <laughs> No, it's true. It's, true. it's always yes, trash. It's just trash. trash. <laughs> I, I agree completely. Okay, well, thank you so much, Megan. And and as everyone knows, Megan is our anonymous Megan. Yes. <laughs> so I won't ask Megan where she can be found. But thank you for joining me for this discussion. It was interesting. And I do think this is an interesting counterpoint to the, to the other episode we did this week. I just think it's an interesting week of episodes. So thank you. Mm, yay. <laughs> But this is Erin, and you can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, any of these actors, I am not inviting you on, though, Sam. You are not invited. But uh, if any of the, most of the actors, if they would like to come on and talk to us, or Kelvin Harrison Jr., if you'd like to come on and be on the show, head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the Contact Us button there, and that'll shoot us an email. And also, a couple other things that you can find on our website. So if you want to play the listener version of Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock for the month of September... We are playing with BoJack Horseman, Promising Young Woman, Superstore, and Scare Me. And these are all things that we have covered before on the show. So you can also go and listen to those episodes. But if you want to let us know how Finn is connected to those shows in Six Degrees or Less for a chance to win some merchandise, head on over to our website and click on the page titled Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. And also, we have launched the signups for our second annual horror trivia event, which is kicking off in October. And so you can click on the page titled Second Annual Horror Trivia Event to sign up there. We are asking for a $5 donation. All that money will go to a Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate organization, and those will be of the winner's choice. So all that money is going to a good cause. Um, if you do become a Patreon supporter before you sign up, though, that that will be waived. So head on over there, sign up. It should be a ton of fun this year. You can also find more information and such in a Google Doc that is also on that page. And next week, we are going to be tackling a couple of other good shows that tackle a lot of different subjects. One is one of my all-time favorite shows, Six Feet Under. We're going to be talking about that one. Carla will be joining me on that episode. So that should be a ton of fun. This is her first time watching the show. So I can't wait to hear what she has to say. And then we're going to be talking about a brand new show for me, Lock and Key. And Sasha will be joining me on that one. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.